It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Jackson Gatlin here, host of the Monday edition Locked On NBA podcast. Every Monday, I cover the three biggest stories in the NBA with the local experts from Locked On. It's an awesome recap of the weekend of the NBA and a look at what's ahead. Mark your calendars on Monday to join me for Locked On NBA podcast, available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. Hey guys, welcome to the Locked On Wizards podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. I'm your host, Troy Halliburton, and join with me uh, in the ESA, the head coach of the Capital City Go-Go, Mr. Ryan Richmond. How are you doing today, Ryan? Doing great. Doing great. <laughs> uh, fresh off a of Mystics championship celebration and title last night, which was amazing to be a part of. It's, it's so cool to see firsthand you know, a member of the Monumental Basketball family and, and the work that the players and coaches and, and support staff put in all year and just just amazing to, to witness and be a part of. Yeah, I think that uh, this Mystics Championship is something that has been, you know, a few years in the making. So it wasn't just the work that they put in this season. You know, it's been a lot of uh, sweat equity over, you know, the last three or four seasons, you know, a, a lot a lot of tears. But, you know, last night was tears of, of joy. So, it, I mean, it was great to be in the building. It was a great atmosphere. You know, I love uh, the ESA, the, the, the small, the 4,500 seat arena where you have a, a real intimate setting, you know, and this will also be the same place that the Go-Go will play. So what, what, what are your initial uh, feelings about uh, the building? Because you remember uh, you were part of the Wizards organization before this building even came about and the whole the training facility and all the resources that, you know, uh, Monumental Sports has provided to Monumental Basketball. Yeah, we have we have such an amazing opportunity uh, to capitalize on how special this environment is. Like you were talking about, the arena last night was amazing. One of the best atmospheres I've been around, and that's a tribute to you know the product that the players and coaches and and Ted has allowed you know Mike and and them to put on the court and it's been it's been great to be a part of obviously the practice facility is amazing and being able to have our players and staff be able to utilize it on a day-to-day basis is is important and something that we will take advantage of but we'll also be respectful to to kind of where we are. Yeah. And I think that um, the the facility, I mean, it's amazing. I come down here on a regular basis and I think that because the facility is so nice that I think it led to uh, a lot of people of the Wizards organization coming in. Like I heard that the the team was basically here from uh, Labor Day on through training camp, which is, uh, from my understanding, a a kind of rarity uh, in the NBA to get, you know, the whole team to come down and be together for, you know, weeks leading up to training camp. And I think a lot of that has to do with the facility. 
So, yeah, I mean, just talk about what it's like to just have the guys like have a place where the guys want to actually come and hang out and they can, you know, get the best treatment for whatever injuries or, you know, the best workout facilities. Like, just just talk about that. Yeah, that's I mean, you kind of said it, but just to have this facility as a place that the players want to be at, that's that's our goal. And that's what we're striving to, to do, because at the end of the day, you want player buy in you know, for their success and, and mentally for their, for their sanity, they want to be in a place where they feel safe and secure and, and they want to be in a place where, where they can be successful, but also, you know, fail a little bit and grow and get better. And that's our thing. We want to get better every single day. And coach Brooks talks about new normals and, and he wants to set new normals with, with the players and the coaches every day. And we have such a unique opportunity with the monumental basketball family under one roof that, that we're really excited to take advantage of it. Yeah, I think the, the key thing that, that you said is growth. And I know one of the key things that uh, Tommy Shepard has been preaching uh, throughout uh, the, you know, the whole existence of Monument of Basketball is development. And so, you know, the growth and development of, you know, not, you know all of the players, you know, not only the players, but, uh, you know, the coaching staff, development guys, video coordinators, I think that that's all very important in building a, a good culture and a winning culture. So, but we, we've talked enough about monumental basketball. Let's get into a little bit of Ryan Richmond talk. So, Ryan, I want to ask you a, a very simple question. When, when did you fall in love with the game of basketball? I fell in love with the game of basketball when I was two years old, just playing. My brother's three years older than me. My sister's three years older um, than him. So, you know, having older siblings and having their friends around and having them kind of introduce me to the game and, Obviously, it came with a lot of successes, but a lot more failures early on. And I think that's where you really figure out if you love something or not when you get pulled away and you face adversity, but you keep coming back. And And that's funny. My dad was my, my first coach, obviously, which was fun. Um, <laughs> and he still still coaches me to this day at times. But it's, uh, it's, a, it's amazing having, obviously, my family and my mom, you know, so supportive in, in my passion and something I've. I've grown to love and, you know, separately, I fell in love with the NBA, just being a part, being living in Connecticut, growing up in Connecticut, you know, the women's team is so good getting back to women's basketball. I have a, obviously a great respect for women's basketball based on my past and, and we'll get into that. But yep. the men's team had at that time had so many pros yeah. that were going from college to the NBA and growing up in Connecticut, you get Knicks, Nets and Celtics games. Yep. So seeing and following those players allowed me to to fall in love with the NBA in particular. Yeah, I, I mean, I remember those uh, some some of those UConn teams, the the Ben Gordons of the world, you know, the the Rip Hamiltons, like you know, the UConn had some had some had some players back in the day. Definitely, that, yeah. that, uh, <laughs> the Big East back in the day, the Big East and the Big East tournament, Madison Square Garden was probably some of my fondest memories. Just our friends and family, just all watching games and being just diehard fans and. It was a special place to grow up if you love basketball, and a lot of the people close to me loved it. So yeah, I mean that's amazing, and I think uh, you know you, you talked about some of the highs of your basketball career, but you also touched on you know, some of the failures of, of your basketball career. Um, and I wanted to ask, there's something that you said uh, when the Capital City GoGo had you know, their open tryout. You talked about um, 
your first year at Skidmore College and you were playing or not getting as much playing time as you would have liked. And just just talk about how dealing with adversity and, you know, like you said, you, you were a high school player and you played on a good team and, and you were used to playing and you thought that you had earned more playing time. But just talk about how that experience has kind of shaped you as a coach who is going to have to be the person who's going to determine, you know, who plays or not going forward. Yeah, for me, I mean, that that was a huge motivator, and it still is to this day. I mean, I still think about that in the mornings when I wake up and just just dedicating myself to this craft and keeping my composure about getting better every single day. So it's it's definitely been a big motivator. I wasn't in the position from a maturity standpoint probably to handle where I was at the time, and, and I'm pretty open about that because, you know, you can only learn from it and grow from it. And and it found me here, so things things worked out pretty well. Exactly. I mean, you know, I, I feel like life is full of uh, ebbs and flows, and it's it's not about you know uh, how you handle the good times. It was about how you handle adversity. And so, uh, like you said, but, but as a person who grew up in Connecticut with a, a love of the game of basketball, you know, you could have very easily decided, you know, I want to be a banker now, or I want to get into insurance. But, you know, you, you transferred from Skidmore to uh, University of Maryland and you still stayed involved in the game of basketball. So was that when you uh, joined uh, Brenda Fries' staff with the uh, University of Maryland women's basketball team? Yeah, I really just wanted to stay in shape and keep playing basketball. I was I was training to walk on the, the Maryland men's team, but the, the tryouts never really happened that I that I found. So. I really wanted to just stay involved, stay in shape. It was a great way to continue to play basketball. I had no idea what it would lead to, but obviously being a practice player was the best decision I made. Um, and it was it was amazing just being a part of it and you go to practice every day and now you start to develop relationships with the players and the coaches and, and you get thrown into drills and now you're being coached by the coaches. David Atkins was one of, one of the coaches that coached us and he coached us hard and it was – it was fun to kind of get that itch back of someone coaching you and and caring about you to, to improve every day and and it was about the players too and that's that's something we'll carry with a I'll carry with me myself personally but we will as a staff carry with us is just you know, a player's first approach. And that's that's our mindset. And we want to get better every single day. Yeah, but I mean, when you talk about a player's first approach and when you were uh, under Brenda Fries at, with, with the uh, women's basketball team at University of Maryland, what, what do you have to say to, you know, a lot of people on the internet, guys on the internet who say, oh yeah, I could play with, you know, women's basketball players. As someone who played, you know, competitively with, you know, some of the best uh, women's basketball players in the country, like just, just how, do you think that that's an unrealistic thing for people people to say that just how good are these players as someone who was practicing uh with the women's team yeah no i mean i would i would caution people who think that they can play on the same court as these professional women because they are they're very talented they're very skilled and they play really hard and they know how to play so you will get exposed if you don't know how to play or you're not skilled enough because they're really really impressive um, I, I don't I kind of mentioned on the other podcast, but one of my off the off the cuff ideas is for all those people that think that they can beat the women's players in a game of one on one or five on five. I think we should televise the event <laughs> and have them get embarrassed by the women's players because they're really good. And, it, and, and being now around the mystics with the, with the family and and being a part of it now just gives me another appreciation obviously college but 
some of the pros will come back and work out with us, Marissa and Crystal and, and Christy, obviously. And, and just to see them after going overseas and playing in the WNBA and just, just seeing them grow and get better. It was just, they were, they were amazing to work with. And, and obviously, you know, I owe a lot to, to Brenda and her staff and the opportunity that I had there was just, was amazing. Yeah. So let's talk about uh, just working under Brenda, who is, you know, a, a coaching legend in her own right. What were some of the things that you learned from her as far as um, uh, just the leadership standpoint of, you know, leading, leading a team of, of grown women and, you know, or, organizing different personalities and, you know, just just really trying to just keep everything together. What did you learn from her from a leadership standpoint? Definitely. And I think just moving into that question is is going back to all the coaches you've worked for and worked with in the past. And you really just take their greatest attributes and you kind of mold it into your own. And, and for me, Brenda was, was special at her one-on-one relationships with people. And she was special at making players, staff, support staff, anyone that had an association with the program. She was amazing at making them feel special. And, I, and it was authentic, but she always, she was touching everyone, you know, obviously from like a, just making sure they were okay and just, just making sure she got a little time with every person during different, different times of the day and, and when they needed it. And that's, she's incredible at that. And that's something I'll take with me for sure of going course. into this year. Yeah, because, I mean, people realize, I mean, being a basketball coach is more than just knowing the X's and O's. You know, it, it's managing people. It's managing expectations. So, you know, that's a, a big aspect of it. And it sounds like you learned a lot from uh, working under Brenda Fries. And so let's continue with your basketball journey. Uh, you let, After you graduated, you became a graduate assistant uh, working under Mark Turgeon. Um, talk about that experience with, I think, that with, that was Turgeon's first years yeah. as the uh, Maryland coach. So, right. so like, talk about it. Uh, when, when, when he's coming in and taking over a program so you can see like someone try to really mold something from from scratch because when you come in as a leader you want to you know you know do things your way you want to build up your system so what, what did you learn from watching Turgeon like start and and build his program how he wanted it so I also just going back I also learned the scouting and the video piece from a guy named Mike Harkness who's still still in the business and he's an incredible savant with, with all of the technology. And he taught me how to do the sports code and the synergy and the fast draw and fast scout. So using those, those skills along with the on-court skills learned from coach freeze and, and DA and the staff there, uh, I was able to, to get on with the men's team as a grad assistant. And it, it was an amazing experience. And I think it's kind of almost like a G league experience in a way, because you do a bunch of different things. You're mm-hmm. in class and you're also, you know, you're, you're doing some of the travel stuff. You're doing some of the meals. You're doing, you know, some of the scouting reports with the, with the coaches. So you wear a bunch of different hats, and, and that was so powerful. But Coach Turgeon was great about setting the foundation early, and that's something that I realized was, was so important looking back on it is that he set the standard, and if you couldn't meet or exceed the standard, you weren't going to be there very long, players and staff. And that's something that I'll, I'll definitely go into my first year knowing that, you know, the training camp is the time to, to set, set the standard of how things are done. And if they're not done, you know, there's a great quote. If you accept it, you should expect it. I think that's it. <laughs> I'm, 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 I'm going to take your word for it. But, but you know, it, 
just the idea is that if you let things go, then don't be surprised when they happen because exactly. you're the one that are that's letting it go. So that's something that, that I thought Coach Church was amazing with, along with his basketball IQ. Um, but yeah, I, Coach Churchill was great to me, and I, I really appreciate him and his family. Yeah. And it's cool to see. Sorry to cut you off, but it's cool to see where the program is now, and I yeah. think. You know, they're going into this year. I'm sure they're – I think they're top 10 preseason. Yep. And this is probably their most talented team. And, and I think they're going to flourish. But it's amazing to see where it was because we weren't very good for a couple <laughs> years. Um, but, you know, the guys worked hard and and we tried to set the foundation. So, you know, you'd like to think the foundation that, that we had implemented and tried to set then is, is kind of flourishing now. Yeah. And so when you talk about uh, setting the foundation and, you know, working under uh, Mark Turgeon and him like setting expectations and uh, really challenging people to meet expectations, it sounds like uh, he was kind of grooming you for the, the professional world because, you know, in, in collegiate sports, it's one thing, you know, it's it, you're, you really you're dealing with student athletes and, you know, you're managing people and helping them grow in the professional world. It's something different where, you know, you have expectations. So w- when did you know that you wanted to get into the world of professional basketball? Yeah, Coach Coach Church and I talked a lot about that because he was in the NBA with Larry Brown with the Sixers, and and he he had a lot of great things to say about the NBA. Obviously, uh, just speaking to him about my career ambitions, I knew I wanted to get in the NBA. Recruiting for me wasn't something that I was totally interested in, mm-hmm. um, I, you know. And obviously, like the school piece, I, obviously I respect the school part, but I also. I love basketball and that's why I love the NBA is because it's all basketball all the time. Whereas in college, there's, there's different things you have to worry about and it's just part of, part of the college experience. And I totally respect it, but I just, I knew that, you know, my affinity for the NBA since a young age, obviously was a huge draw for me for the NBA. And then, and then my, my feelings towards kind of those extra things outside of basketball that I didn't really want to deal with every day. Uh, led me to the NBA path. Yeah. So then uh, you, your first job out of college was uh, to work with the Wizards. Uh, your first job was uh, assistant video coordinator. Assistant video coordinator. They were, uh, I was lucky enough to, to get an interview with Tommy Shepard and Brett Greenberg. And they previously had one video coordinator job. This was seven years ago. Mm-hmm. So this is going into my seventh year with the Wizards. And uh, they added an assistant video job, which was perfect for me because it allowed me to to do the video, but also be able to be on the court a little bit with the players and right. kind of help rebound and just learn from the coaches. Right. I and mean, that's the best part. And you said it earlier today, but, you know, sweat equity is the most important equity you can ever, ever do, you know, as a coach or just like a, from a leader management perspective. I just, I totally believe in sweat equity and it's something that, you know, I've, definitely strive to do every single day of this new new challenge. Yeah, so, I mean, let's talk about the, the sweat equity that goes into it. For a lot of people, a lot of NBA fans at home, a lot of the listeners of this podcast may not understand the the job description of what a video coordinator uh, is supposed to do or uh, a player development guy. Just, so let's talk about your experience of what what exactly is the, the job description of an assistant video coordinator? So, Assistant video coordinator, and I tell people all the time, I would never change my path for anything because of this. When you're in the video room, you have to watch games and you have to learn from games. It's just there's no, you know, an assistant coach needs games the morning after, sometimes that night. So you're live coding these games that are on TV 
And now you're learning different coaches. You're learning different players. You're learning tendencies. You're learning personnel. And that coach that you're doing the games for is relying on you to, to give them information and also give them the game. Mm-hmm. But, you know, once you develop relationships with coaches, they'll kind of ask you, hey, what do you see? Like, what do you think? Right. You know, and, and, and that's how kind of you can learn from the assistant coaches because the assistant coaches I've worked with, uh, you know, are so they're special, you know, and a lot of people may not even know who they are, but just the guys I've worked with in the past, the Pat Sullivan's and, and Roy Rogers and Chad Iskies and those guys are just incredible basketball minds that I've learned from not to, not to not mention other people, but just those three, obviously Ryan Saunders was amazing. And now he's, he's the youngest head coach in the league. And, <laughs> um, you know, he's obviously very special, but just working with the assistant coaches. And I think that's what the video position allows you to do. It allows you to be a liaison between the full, basically the full game and then the cut up version to give them the meat and potatoes. Right. Right. So, I mean, let, let, let's talk about like, so when you watch, like, how does that logistically, how does it, so you watch game, do you, do you write up a, a scouting report and then you give to the coaches and do the coaches give you like specific things that they want you to look at or like, do they, do they, do they come to you and say, Oh, we're playing, you know, the Minnesota Timberwolves and you know, they like to run, uh, you know, certain uh, horn sets and like, do you, so we want you to track all of the horn sets they run. Like how, how does, how does that work? So, so we use sports code and so for every game it gets downloaded and pulled into sports code and we would have code windows for every game and we would code the games and there would be a variety of things to your point, but ATOs, F timeout plays, side out of bounds, baseline out of bounds, personnel tendencies, uh, who's taking the shot, when, end of games, which are huge, you know, like different coaches have certain rhythms to their after timeout plays and their end of game plays. And just being able to break the game down to those specific situations, like, you know, they may run horns this way, but now they're putting Carl Anthony Towns on the left elbow instead of the right elbow. And maybe just because they're putting him on the left elbow, that signifies something. You know, when we used to play Boston years, you know, in the past couple of years, we still play him, but when Isaiah was there and Avery Bradley was there, you knew that if Isaiah was in a specific corner, you know, if he was in the right corner, he's coming off to his left hand. If he's, if Avery's in the left corner, he's coming off to his right hand, you know, and that just, if that was different, then you knew it was something special, right. you know, so that, that kind of are indicators. And that's something that we have to look for as, as being in the video room, you have to look for that. Yeah, I mean, do you ever consider it? It's like maybe like like a needle in a haystack. You like you're watching plays and thousands and thousands of plays, just looking for the one break in the tendency. But you have to watch, you know, thousands of plays just to even get to that to find that one break, and then you know relay that information to the coaches. Definitely, and I I tell people all the time, being in the video room is like getting a PhD in basketball. You know, <laughs> and it's like not that you know because you could learn every day and I do learn every day I think that's an important characteristic for anyone who's trying to be you know successful is, is being a lifelong learner but you know you the PhD in basketball I just totally believe in that because you have to watch the film you know some people if you're not in the video room you don't necessarily have to watch it you should or you you know you probably want to but when someone else, when a superior is relying on you to get the information to them, like you have to watch it and you have to pay attention. Yeah, I mean, that's 
you know, I, I feel like it, it's a very tedious process, but I feel like, you know, no one would do that unless you truly loved the game. So, but let's transition from your job as a, an assistant video coordinator into last year was your first year as an assistant coach. What, what, what was that experience like jumping up from video coordinator and, you know, instead of now you're the assistant coach who's, you know, delegating to, to the video coordinators now as far as what type of tendencies and things that, uh, you know, they're supposed to be looking for. So how was that transition for you? That's right transition was was intense so after the video room going more into player development and being behind the bench when coach brooks got here so i was behind the bench for two years and then on the front of the bench last year like you you alluded to and it was um you know it was it was amazing you know just just going even from the video room to behind the bench and now it's like a whole different thought process in the way you internalize the game because it's live Right. And sometimes it's live and you can't really see because someone like Jason Smith will be sitting on like three pads and you can't see. Sorry, Jason. <laughs> but it's the truth. I love Jason. But, he's a wide body. Uh, yeah, yeah, he's huge. And he's sitting on these big pads. And you're like, Jason, you're seven feet tall. Like, I can't see anything. Yeah. Uh, no, but uh, Jason's the best, one of the best professionals I've been around. But yeah, so trying to see the game live, like you can't rewind and fast forward. Like in the yeah. video room, you're used to rewinding, pause, fast forward, you know, rewind again. Oh, would they run there? You know, what what was the defensive mistake? And then you see the, the experienced assistants on the front of the bench who can see it right away. Right. And it's like, ah, oh, I want to get like <laughs> that. You know, like, so it's like you keep just trying to find different ways that you can get better. And then yeah. now – you know, going to the front of the bench last year was an incredible opportunity and it was an amazing learning experience because, you know, behind the bench, you have different tasks. The front of the bench, your job is to really watch the game and see what's going on. Where are we struggling? What can we take advantage of? Why was the rotation late? You know, those things are like very tactical and they're, they're little minute details that, that were were amazing to really see live and then try and deconstruct it like in the moment, you know? Yeah, no, I completely understand. And as somebody who's gotten into covering basketball games, you know, I grew up watching basketball games on TV, but you, you learn that when you come down to the arena and you you're covering a game that you have to watch it different. You're paying attention to a lot more details when you're watching a game live. You can't, like you said, you can't go back and rewind. So, you know, it, it just, it, it really is like a, a skill set that you, that you kind of have to learn and master it. It's something that I'm still trying to, you know, learn myself because, you know, as somebody who's covering the game, like you, you know, I, I try to get it to where I, I, I focus on just certain aspects that, like, you know, you can't, you don't have the, you know, all same camera, so you can't really see everything that's on the court. But I try to certain focus in on maybe certain sets that people are on, or focus on maybe like, you know, two or three players to a certain matchup so that you can like really just kind of key in on. Uh, uh, when, you, when you're watching a game, like, is it like, uh, are, are the different assistant coaches delegated different things? So like, uh, if you have your defensive coach, he's looking at like maybe defensive sets, or you might have a, a coach who's, you know, uh, just, just look at, I mean, how, how, how do you delegate? Like who is observing what? And then how do you, uh, ultimately if Scott Brooks, you know, he's the head coach, you know, piece all of that information together to, you know, help you know, with his coaching strategy. Yeah. We, uh, definitely your tasks with kind of what, what area, whether it be offense or defense, or if it's your scout that night, kind of what they're running. Um, so that's kind of that's kind of the structure that I've been a part of. So I can't speak to every team, but I think the the one separator and something that I need to get better at personally is to not watch the ball mm. so much, especially live and on film. Actually, is just 
is I think the best coaches, assistants or head coaches, they are great at not just watching the ball, but watching all 10 players. And that's something that I'm, I'm still working on to get better at. And it's something that's, you know, it's like a motivator. It's fueling to see, you know, where was that defensive rotation that was messed up or, or, you know, why is our spacing not as good as it should be offensively? You know, you can't just watch the ball. You know, if the ball is on the right wing and our issue is in the left corner, if you're watching the ball, you're not going to see it. Yeah, exactly. You know, it's a, so I think just, just getting to, to be, you know, that uh, perceptive, I think would be the word maybe, but getting to, to have like full – full vision of the entire play and the play before the play, I think is, is important. Yeah, no, I think, yeah, the, the, the perception is, is definitely important, but you know, as, as a, as the assistant coach last year, you know, you were, you know, delegated tasks, but now as the head coach of the capital city, go, go, you will be delegating uh, to your assistants, you know, to what, what they're going to be looking for. So let's just talk about that transition from, you know, from the, from the assistant video coordinator to, you know, behind the bench to the front of the bench as an assistant to now, you know, being the head coach of, of your own team and how, how, how do you relish that experience and, and looking forward to this season? Yeah, it's a uh, it's been an amazing amazing journey, and it's one that I'm excited to continue uh, with this experience. Um, but you know, I've had a holistic view on everything, and I think that that it's it's been important to kind of see the different pieces of a of a coaching staff and be it be like on the ground floor of basically each level of a coaching staff. Um, and now for me, ultimately, it's, it's about managing managing the staff and managing the players. And I think, you know, managing the staff is, is really, really, it's a great challenge because I, I personally feel like people work best in roles and responsibilities. Mm-hmm. So we haven't had that meeting yet with the staff, but all of our staff will have specific roles and responsibilities that they're in charge of and that I'm relying on them to do because, you know, I think we all need to be held accountable to to the team, and that's that's what's most important. So, in order to to do that, I think everyone just needs to have specific. And it's not meant to box people in. Like I yeah. want growth, but I also know that you know, guys on my staff are they're better than me in certain areas. So I want them focusing on that. Exactly. You know, they always say you want to be. You don't want to have. Uh, you don't want to be the smartest person in the room, but you want to have the smartest room. And I really. I'm so excited for our staff. I think they're amazing. And I think we have the smartest room because of that. You know, I, a lot of the things that they're really good at, I'm not as good at and I'm okay with that. You know, that's, I think that's where leadership and management of people, because that's what head coaches are. They're managers of people. And I think it's important to know for me to show them that I care about them outside of basketball, but also like I care about their basketball development. We all want to grow and, and get better, and I think it's important that they all do grow and get better. But it's on it's on the head coach to put them in position to grow and get better. Yeah, and I, I mean, when you touch on uh, growing and getting better in the development aspect of it, you know, it, it's interesting when when you talk about uh, you know the, the you're coaching a, a, a G League team, and I, I want to quote uh, one of my favorite Jay Z lyrics is uh, "Moral victories are for minor league coaches," and it's like as a as a minor uh-huh. league coach. It's like you you have yes, the aspect is to obviously you want to win as many games, but 
you are here and you're, you're developing players so that because it's, you're a part of a, a bigger system. So just, just talk about how important it is to, to develop guys and what you saw from your perspective of last year, how the team was able to develop different players like, uh, you know, Chris Chioza, who ended up, you know, getting assigned to the to the Houston Rockets and, you know, Jordan McRae, who was uh, a first team all G League last year. And, you know, for, for my money, probably should have been uh, G League MVP. And, you know, and, and, and then you look at uh, the guys this year, uh, you have Garrison Matthews who's on a two way contract. Can you talk about how important it will be for you as the coach of the go go to you know, to develop these guys and, and, you know, obviously you're, you're trying to win, but development is a big key to, you know, what the G league is trying to do. Yeah. I'll say this, Jarrell Christian and his staff did an incredible job and they really set the foundation for the capital city go-go in year one. And it's not an easy thing to set it for an expansion team. And they did an amazing job and I'm thankful to all of them um, for, for what they did. But obviously for us moving forward, it's just our development is going to be critical. I think the Wizards have the best player development staff in the league. Obviously, I'm biased, but I truly believe that. And I feel as though we're going to we're going to replicate it and we're going to we're going to do all the same things from a structural standpoint um, to make it the same. You know, in the sense that we're going to be structured, we're going to hold guys accountable every day. They're going to have individual work and their development is critical. And obviously their development, it's its all encompassing. You know, we have a great, a great training staff. You know, Carlos is amazing. Vince is amazing. All these guys that are that are part of player development, you know, mm-hmm. our front office, Pops and Amber and Scott and Zach, they do such a great job. It's all part of development. You know, and that's something that that I think we all understand and we're working together so well already that that it's going to be so, you know, natural. Right. Um, but obviously, like you said about winning, you know, winning is part of development. This is true. You know, and that's something that, you know, we're not going to talk about winning a ton and we're not going to it's not going to be our end all be all. But but we believe if you go through the proper steps and you don't skip steps and you, you're process oriented and process driven, you know, all you need to do is get a little bit better every day. Right. And I think that, you know, that that's very key. And when you talk about last year, uh, the team getting better every day, then the team went 25 and 25 in their inaugural season. But, you know, I talk about what, it, what it's like for you to take over now. You know, it last year was a you know, they're putting they're putting together everything for the first time. And so now you have a chance to have a little bit more experience and you got a chance to see how they were operated. How much of an advantage does that give you of not having to, you know, go out and put together a complete roster? Uh, you know, that you already have a foundation that was already set from last year that you can work on and continue to build. Yeah. Yeah. The foundation has been set, like you said, and it's, it's incredible. I mean, also the little things like, you know, the different travel trips and just, you know, food stuff, just getting those things kind of out of the way. So, you know, what works and what doesn't, you know, I'm fortunate that, that we have great people that can help, you know, make those things smoother. You know, when it's your first year, there's some things that you just don't even know that are going to pop up. But I think, you know, having the connectivity to the Wizards, obviously, you know, Tommy, Scotty, Ted, and, you know, Sasha Brown, they've done a great job. Um, JT3 also just, they've done such a great job of integrating the staff and and integrating myself into the position. Um, So, so yeah, I mean, having, speaking of Wizards connectivity, you know, being able to have Mike Williams, who I think is a, you know, a complete star, you know, mm-hmm. and he's he's going to be able to run our player development program and he's going to have a direct 
core conversation with David Atkins every day about, you know, what do our players need to get better at and, and how do we see it fitting every single day? Obviously, Jimmy Bradshaw has been the video coordinator, head video coordinator. He's been awesome. Exactly. You know, having, he's going to be on your staff. Too. Having him in an assistant coaching role. And we really wanted to, and, and Scotty and Tommy really wanted, and myself, we really wanted to grow internally and put Mike, Jimmy in particular, those guys in position to to step outside of their comfort zone. And now, Jimmy, now, Mike, you're in charge of the whole player development program. Right. You know, like I will oversee it, but you're in charge of it. And that's a huge thing because players' lives and their families' lives, are, they're all, you know, predicated on their success on and off the court. Um, but on the court is is important, obviously critical. So, you know, that's going to be great. And I have full faith in Mike and, and our whole staff does. And, and obviously, you know, with Dan and, and David and Phil, you know, those guys are, are amazing. You know, Dan's been a head coach. David's played professionally, also been a head coach. Phil's mm-hmm. played professionally for, you know, 10 plus 13 years, I believe. Sorry, Phil. Uh, sorry, I didn't have the exact <laughs> year. Um, David's played professionally, you know, 10 plus years. David's been a head coach. So so having kind of the, the team of teams around myself, I, I know is going to be so critical for, for the success of, you know, not only my first year, but also, you know, everyone in the program. Yeah, I think that, you know, the the, the – the resources are 100% there for you. And, you know, I think that, you know, the, the way that it's set up, you know, the, the, the Capital City Go-Go are, you know, set up to uh, have success this season. And so I think that, you know, the, the job that you and the, the staff will do will be a big part of, you know, the, the, the development of the Go-Go and, and you know, continue to build up monumental basketball. And so uh, I had uh, my, my guy, Matt Quinn, is telling me uh, we got we got five minutes because we're getting ready to go over to the uh, oh, yeah. Mystics uh, nice. Championship uh, uh, celebration right now. But, Ryan, I, I just want to thank you for coming on and really breaking down uh, everything about not only your experience, but breaking down the game of basketball. And, you know, I feel like uh, the listeners of the Lockdown Wizards podcast got a little bit smarter today. So <laughs> I'm, I'm very much appreciative of that. And uh, I, I want to give you an opportunity right now to to, you know, just say anything that you want to say to, to, to the fans and, and let them know about the excitement and, and try to get the people, tell them what they can expect to see from the Capital City Go-Go this year and, and why they should be coming down and checking them out at the ESA. Yeah, we're going to we're gonna be a team that obviously represents this area very well and, and we're going to be a team that, that plays hard and, and it's simple. We, we're going to play hard. We're going to play together and we're going to play with toughness. And I think it's, you know, a lot of those intertwine and they combine with each other, but we all want to be a part of something bigger than ourselves. And I think having the support of the local fan base is going to be something that we, we relish and we cherish and we're not going to take it for granted. And, and I think we just want to build on, on what's been set. So please come support us. Um, we're so excited for this year. And we're we're really looking forward to to kind of building on the foundation. Yeah. I mean, you know, uh, we, we have the Mystics who play on the same exact court. You know, I think that they're building that foundation of a winning culture. And so, uh, you know, the go-go last year in, in their inaugural season, you know, they, they finished 25 and 25. So, you know, I think that we can expect to see more winning down here. So it, it, for, for the people out here who aren't familiar with the arena, you know, come down and check out because, I mean, it, it's really great basketball being played. And so, you know, and when you talk about the uh, – or uh, when you see that the G League, they have players that NBA 
NBA teams, they send their players down. So, you know, last year, uh, you know, I believe Troy Brown probably played just as many minutes with the go-go than he, than he did with, you know, the Wizards. So, you know, I think it's a great opportunity. It's, it's, it's highly entertaining for the fans. And so I, I know that you, you're going to do a great job. You're going to uh, put forth a great product on the floor. And so, you know, we, we just want to get the people to come down and support that. Yeah. It's a, it's a, also I'll add, it's just a great league. You know, I've, done a little bit of immersion this summer after knowing I was going to get the job and just the league the players are really good the coaches are really good I was so impressed with both both parties and how they intertwine with each other but I I was blown away with how good and I went to a handful of games last year and really enjoyed the environment and the level of play it's a really good level of play and and we want to get it to a point where we're the second best league in the world and obviously you know, we're, we're a little bit away from that, but it's not impossible. And obviously it doesn't, doesn't happen without the support of the fans. So we hope you guys all come out and uh, enjoy it. All right. Well, Ryan, I greatly appreciate you for coming on, uh, but we'll have to do this again sometime. But uh, I guess you and I, we're both going to head over to the other side of the arena and, and watch this uh, mystic celebration. So I'm, I'm excited for that. Sounds good. Thanks, Troy. Yep. Like Gilbert Arenas, now I'm chilling back, giving advice. I buy my girl shit that don't matter the price. They see that I'm taking, they try getting pants. Label money, I just tell in advance. I ain't cheating, I'm just trying to dance. She just trying to have me up in the trance. I'm in a struggle like fucking. They just trying to make some bucks. Love when I slap down my ones, but it bounced like a ball when I struck it. So if you ever see a real nigga like me, just let them live and just be how it be. Go to the club with them two and you'll see. With a J, we'll be on the same team. I want a baller like the Wizards. Yeah, you know what I mean. When I'm blowing on the net, girl shooting shots for the team. I was in high school with dreams, now I'm almost looking clean. Teaching game like a dean, coach all these girls to a ring. I want a ball, I like the whistles. Yeah, you know what I mean. When I'm blowing on the net, girl shooting shots for the team. I was in high school with dreams, now I'm almost looking clean. Teaching game like a dean, coach all these girls to a ring. Hey, Prime members. You can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.